podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, what's good? An important announcement to make before this podcast commences. Me and my boys, Touchline Fracas, a group of about 11 of us lads who basically analyse football better than the average pundits, give you in-depth analysis and also we crack unlimited jokes. So many of you already listened to that podcast, but we actually have a live show. Live show, our first one on the 15th of July, which is, which is of course, World Cup final day in Clapham. We've actually sold out our tickets, so big up us. But I think the boys have slapped on a few more tickets. So make sure you rush to go grab them on our website, touchandfracas.co.uk. And I think there may be some on the door as well, but you don't want to be that you that's in there queuing and then you get part of the door. So make sure if you can grab those tickets ASAP. It starts at, doors open at three. The World Cup final, I think kicks off at four. So you want to be there for free, get a good seat, grab a munch, grab a drink before the final commences. Also, I think it's in Clapham, North, North Clapham. Does that even exist? Yeah, so it's pretty close to the station. Very easy to get to. Young Northern Line. There will be, as I said, there will be food and drinks available. Most of the men them are there. It's going to be a really, really good day. We're going to watch the World Cup final. Hopefully, my boy Pogba's in the final. Or Lukaku, don't even mind. One of them two's going to be there. And he even might be coming home. He actually might be coming home. So make sure you're there. Turn up watching football. Grabbing one, two, laugh and a beverage with the Touchdown Fracas boys. That's touchdownfracas.co.uk forward slash shop grab them tickets yeah Lewis you better run me my pee for this advertisement because anyway podcast time fire for them fire for them if you're looking for that 35 bag umbrella and all damn thing there keep it locked with this Unomics podcast 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 Yo, welcome back. Episode 65 of the Deucenomics Podcast. Apologies for those expecting episode last week. There was a break. I wasn't, I didn't go miss anything. I was on holiday, living my best life with, uh, with my group of friends in Marbella. I know you lot don't care, but I had a great time. One, two beverage, nice food, plenty of jokes. We enjoyed. So obviously I couldn't give you a podcast last week. Sometimes rest, you get me? But anyway, Regular schedules back, podcast every week, Sunday, 10.30 to drop. And this week, World Cup is coming home and all that nonsense. I'm actually tired of hearing that phrase, I can't lie to you. But since this World Cup is going to end by the time you heard my next podcast, I think it makes sense for me to give you an economics of the World Cup because of the World Cup fever, England are doing well. Makes sense. Anyway, so let's start off this podcast with the history of the World Cup. What is the World Cup? Very, very big shame on you if you don't actually know what the World Cup is. I really shouldn't shirt that golden Game of Thrones shame, shame sound clip here. But it's a shame on you if you don't know what the World Cup is. It is a football tournament for professional players across the world, representing their nation, trying to win the Jules Neymar, or whatever the youth's name's trophy. Apologies if you hear any circle in the background. Some people around me are having the time of their lives doing up carnival. I don't understand why the music is that loud, but it is what it is. If it was Afrobeats, I won't mind. But yeah, World Cup, it was actually founded in 1930. So it's 88 years old. It initially started with 16 teams. So when England actually last won the World Cup, and yes, you know the date because they tell us every day, 966, there was only 16 teams then. Then it grew to 24 teams, which, um, which was in 1982, I believe. 
And then in 1998, France 98, the Zidane final, which scored those two headers, it um, grew to 32. There's also, there's been a lot of chat and it's now been confirmed that the World Cup finals in 2026 will indeed be, um, for, have 48 finalists trying to get some more representation from the Caribbeans, from the Caribbean region and Africa as well. The World Cup is held every four years, just like Olympics. It's been held every four years since 1930, apart from uh, um, an eight-year stretch where obviously the world, the world was doing jihad. So during the World War II, there was no World Cup. Ain't nobody got time to be doing throwers and free kicks when man them are blowing up, sending bombs all over the world. In terms of like the winners, historically, we already know Brazil, the Samba Boys, they've won five. Germany have won four. Well, quite a few of those were under West Germany. After World War II, West in East Germany, then Berlin Wall broke up in 1989, blah, blah, becomes Germany. Italy, in fact, have won four. The last one in 2006, I remember that one pretty well, when Zidane tried to use his head to go through Matarazzi and turn him to a Krispy Kreme. Argentina have won two. One, a Maradona, Hand of God, yeah, they want to talk about Hand of God, but he definitely ran through everybody in the team twice in that tournament. Um, Uruguay have won two. Quite impressive for quite a small nation. France, England and Spain have won one each. Um, I was actually um, I was actually conscious, like I actually remember France '98. I remember Nigeria were pretty lit with Amokachi, Tariba West, JJ, Vinny George, hella ballers. Lawal, I remember he scored a bad. I think it was Lawal who scored a bad boy goal to beat Spain three two when Nigeria two 0 down. But I think they lost to Denmark, who had a larger brothers who Denmark were wavy. I remember R nine Ronaldo was a madness that World Cup. I remember Rivaldo must have cheated. It's a mad cheat. I think it was against Turkey. They kicked the boy's knee. Hit his face. I think that was 2000. Or oh, was that 2002? Oh, yeah, I don't remember 2002. And then, of course, everybody was kicking Ronaldo all the way through the tournament and he went right for the final. And of course, France won 3 0 with um, Zidane, the great Zidane, scoring twice. I remember Spain's one, of course, that was 2000 and... 2010. They actually lost the first game to Switzerland 1 0, but they passed everybody to death for the rest of the tournament. And Iniesta's fantastic goal in the stoppage time. Not so much time, extra time in the World Cup. That was lit. Robin bottled two chances, I remembered. And also, I remember De Jong fly kicking, um, what's his name? Jeb Alonso on the chest. Do you know how much impact they were coming together and De Jong kicked him in the chest so hard that despite Alonso running towards De Jong, the impact took him backwards. He only got a yellow card, but it is what it is. Anyway, that's the history of the World Cup. So what's been going on in this World Cup? Well, I actually think this World Cup has been popping. Like, I'm not much of a fan of international football. I prefer Premier League and Champions League. Because it's more fluid. Obviously, the players train and play with these teams every day, every week. So they develop an understanding of how to play with each other. So the football's a bit more fluid and is more fast-paced. And you get players from all different nations combining in one team. But this tournament, although it's not been as fluid, there's been loads of goals, loads of spectacular goals. Like, Sherisev scored a beauty yesterday against um, Russia. Now against Croatia, sorry. Um, who also scored beauties? Um, Mbappe scored some fantastic goals. Messi scored a wildie against my Nigerian boys. In fact, Musa scored two wildies as well. Um, Brazil scored some great goals. Coutinho, oh, Coutinho has it. There's been so many good goals. Oh, Rebic, that volley against Argentina. There's been a couple bangers. Oh, Di Maria against um, France. Wow. So this tournament, oh, Cavani scored two beauties against um, Portugal. Obviously, the Ronaldo set piece, that beautiful free kick. Oh, and Colorado scored a dirty free kick. And Suarez. So, see, I'm just naming the goals that roll off the tongue. Because the level of play is so high 
the quality of players is so high to actually score a goal, you have to do something spectacular. Well, that's quite interesting. In the World Cup also has been hella penalties. Um, with with the VAR, the virtual replay thing, where referees can now review decisions, that's led to way more penalties. And now we're stopping these stupid defenders just doing doing um, what's it called wrestling moves, bare suplexes in the box from corners. So we're getting way more penalties. I think we've had the most penalties ever. And loads of goals have been scored via set piece, especially England. I think England have only scored two goals from open play. Proper set piece FC. In fact, let me speak about Harry Kane. Harry Kane's getting bare applauded. Don't, don't get me wrong, I love Harry Kane. He scored six goals, but he's doing the most elite stat pattern ever. He scored three penalties. One goal, he didn't know he was just walking across the box. Ruben off his cheek, the guy sugar, hit, took a shot, hit off Harry Kane, went in. Another two were rebounds from corners. So I actually think Lukaku's actually been the better forward. In terms of his overall play, he scored better goals as well, but Harry Kane doing that stat pad. England scored a lot of goals from set-piece. I call it set-piece FC. Yesterday, Sweden can handle it as well. Trippier and Young with these crazy deliveries. Harry Maguire and Stones just winning everything in the air. Proper, proper animals in the air. Um, also, Russia, painfully for them, lost on penalties to Croatia um, on Saturday. I swear... Putin is doing a madness here because first of all, these Russian youths are running like crazy. They don't get tired. They're running everywhere. So much energy. I need Lewis to Lewis to bring up the running stats because I don't know where this intensity's come from. I know Putin's got a couple of man's families on the rack, especially the referees, because in the Spain game, yeah, they did VAR. You can see, I think it was Ramos and PK in extra time. No, stop, I mean um Yeah, extra time. Getting drapes to the ground and the referee went into the VAR like he had Ray-Bans on like man couldn't see nothing you know Pete was like yo dark like I've got Sterling the kids yeah so it's one of those ones where you can free up penalties but you might not see your wife for a long time so it's, it's up to you I'm not saying don't call pens and that but obviously we've got your family in it so th- that's my theory innit this is what's going on in the Kremlin World Cup because I swear every game Russia are getting penalties and decisions. I'm not even understanding. But I don't want no KGB agents coming after me. Um, in my opinion, this has been a team of the World Cup so far. And this is my opinion. I don't really have a left-sided defender. I just want to say Marcelo by default because he's the best left-back I've ever seen. But I haven't seen that many Brazil games. And nobody else has really impressed me coming from the left-back position. Like, I've watched quite a lot of France. Um, Hernandez has been pants. I'm not a fan of Ashley Young. Carrasco hasn't really done much. Um, the Argentine left back he was pants like I'm not really feeling anyone from left back so listeners please hit me up but I think the best keeper has been Courtois I think that's pretty much undeniable Varane has to be there Varane's been stupendous Trippier I think he's been England's best player ahead of Lingard he's been great Maguire I think you can have him in there like he's winning every header he's coming out of the back great with the ball I think in the midfield area you have to have Luka Modric the best midfielder right now in the world top five player in the world in my opinion Probably the second best centre midfielder I've ever seen outside of Iniesta. I'll have him ahead of Xavi and Yaya Torre. Um, I think Pogba's been exceptional in the second, in the knockout stages. He was okay in the first game. In fact, the whole team was dead, but he had them, he had a moment to create a goal. And I think it was pretty good against Peru. He's there. Kante as well. I think I have Kante there. Brilliant against Argentina. Pretty decent yesterday. Very good against Peru as well. You know what Kante is about. Winning the ball, keeping composed. Fantastic player he is. I think the player of the tournament, without a shadow of a doubt, is Eden Hazard. So all those people talking smack about Hazard, don't score as much goals as Salah, Sanchez, no, no, no. 
Hazard is spectacular. His performance against Brazil is one of the best things. In fact, the whole front three, him, KDB, and Lukaku were, were sensational. But Hazard, they're going to tackle you. They're going to tackle him fast, excellent hold-up play, great touch, agility. He's just sensational. Player of the tournament, without a shadow of a doubt. And I think in the other forward positions, I'll have Lukaku and Kane. Kane, because he's the top scorer, I begrudgingly give it to him. I can't really give it Messi, no. Ronaldo got clapped out. He was doing bits the first two games, MIA after. Lozano did bits. Mm, he could get a shout. But who else, really? I don't think, I, I don't think I'm going to have Lingard in there. Maybe You could maybe say Rebic. I'm not sure. But yes, listeners, give me your suggestions of what you think the team of the World Cup's going to be. Of course, this is an economics podcast, so we have to get to the economics of the World Cup. So some numbers for you people. So in the Kremlin Cup... This is the second most expensive World Cup ever. The estimated cost is approximately, this is all in US dollars, by the way, $14.2 billion. So think about this. For one month of festivities, the Russian government invested $14.2 billion. And then when the people asked them to invest in, I don't know, schools, they'll be like, oh, do you know what? Yeah. So what those ones where the money's in the ISO, isn't it? So we can't really free it up. Brazil as well. Last the most expensive World Cup to date, $15 billion in 2014. South Africa, a lot shorter, $3.6 billion. Oh, and Korea, Japan, 2002, I believe. I remember that World Cup, the R9, Ronaldinho, Rivada, Holy Trinity, $7 billion. So World Cups cost a lot of money. And I think USA and Canada and Mexico, one some combination like that, just, um, I think they get the 2026 World Cup. Which to me makes no sense because USA surely could host the World Cup. Their country's massive and they have amazing stadiums everywhere, but that's their own problem. What about viewership? How many people are watching the World Cup? If you look at England specifically, it's coming home FC. England, Sweden on Saturday where England won 2-0 shout out. Deli Ali, who's had a stinker all tournament, but got a, um, got a good header. And Maguire of a Thunderbolt header to send England through to his first semi since 1990. 20 million people watch that on the BBC, let alone on any illegal streaming websites or whatnot, and across the globe. 20 million people. And 75% of those people, 15.3, watch the entire game. So that shows the level of impact the World Cup has in terms of viewership. 3.9 million streamed, actually streamed it online on the BBC uh, using BBC iPlayer or watched it a bit later on. I use BBC iPlayer because I have a smart TV in my living room, it's a smart TV. I don't think either. I don't think I set up free view on it either. So I just watch it on iPlayer, and many people like this. In fact, even at work, I was pretending to do work, and I was definitely watching France versus Uruguay because France are my team for the tournament. Shout out Pogba and Mbappe and them man there. I think this is what it's going to be very interesting to monitor how streaming really takes the sports. Um, we're going to see Amazon actually stream some Premier League games in the coming season. So. It's very interesting to see the impact and how we're becoming more digital, how we consume football. If we look at um, streaming as a whole on BBC, 40, more than 40, billion, 40 million people use the BBC streaming service to keep up with the World Cup group stage, which makes sense because some of the, the 3pm games, Monday to Friday, quite a lot of the country is at work or maybe at college or sixth form or wherever. So you're able to watch it on the go. The last World Cup had a total viewership of 3.2 billion, damn near half the percentage of the world. So it'll be interesting to see the total figures from this World Cup. And 
obviously this matters because you know, the more views, the more likely companies going to invest money in terms of advertisement because you, you've got a larger audience to advertise too. Speaking of advertising, sponsorship has been very interesting this World Cup. I'm sure those who've heard some of my podcasts on gender pay gap nonsense with regards to football, I've been talking about how the sponsorship in the World Cup was so massive in 2014, completely gazumped um, the women's game because of the because of viewership, as I stated earlier. Sponsorship actually has gone down this year from 2014. A few Western firms have pulled out, and this is due to the bribery scandal um, alleged with FIFA's um, governing body members. Sorry, though I'm speaking like a silly person. So because of the scandal, you know how these big Western corporations are. Scandal, bad press, we got to get out of there. We're not trying to get pammed. A few sponsors have pulled out, such as Sony, Johnson & Johnson, Johnson, and BB's Castro. This, in turn, actually led to more sponsorships from the Far East, so they used that opportunity to get in the game. So some Chinese firms that I haven't really heard of, like such as Vivo, not the YouTube thing. Vivo, there's a mobile company. There's Hisensei, Yeda, all these type of companies that may not ring bells to us Western consumers, but they've managed to jump on the World Cup bandwagon. In terms of sponsored revenues, it's actually gone down by £180 million, which is a 10% loss from 2014. So you would, you would think as social media is now even more popular than it was four years ago, advertisements should go through the roof. But the scandal had a big impact. So in 2014, the World Cup in Brazil, that gross sponsorship of $1.6 billion for one month's worth of sport, which is phenomenal. It actually went down this year to $1.45 billion. So that kind of shows how the impact, and that, that may, that's probably why um, we've seen less of a hype for the World Cup. I saw quite a few people, even my boys, especially the Touchline Man, them were like, we don't really feel like the World Cup's coming. We're not really getting pounded so much advertisement stuff. Maybe it's to do with the, the FIFA scandal. Maybe that's the reason why we haven't seen that much of it kind of like tarted about, thrown in our faces. So yeah, that's just a few numbers for the World Cup. So I'm sure you guys know, it's England versus Croatia. England's first semi-final since 1991 in the World Cup. They were the same as the Euros when they hosted it in 1996. Um, this, this is, in fact, Croatia's second World Cup semi-final. And Croatia is actually... Croatia probably didn't even exist when um, <coughs> England last made the World Cup semi-final. Obviously, Croatia was a former part of, the, of Yugoslavia. I believe the breakup of Yugoslavia was at 91, 92 times. So Croatia wouldn't have been alive then. Bosnia... Um, Serbia, um, Macedonia, all those type of countries. So, yeah, fantastic achievement from Croatia. Shout out Modric, Rakitic, and Rebic, Perisic, all them men there. So, yeah, and there's also Brazil, not Brazil, Belgium, led by Hazard, versus France, led by Pogba and Mbappe. Such a great game. All the stars, Pogba, Mbappe, Hazard, De Bruyne. So many ballers. Even the guys like on the bench, like Fekir and Dembele, you got a bunch of fantastic players that probably should have been a final, but we got those other two bummy teams on the other side. So make sure you watch the World Cup. It might be coming home. You never know. Hopefully not, because I'm 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 at Les Les Blues. I'm sporting France, and if not France, then Belgium. But if you're gonna watch the World Cup final, come watch the Touchdown Fracas, boys. Ladies, more than welcome. There's a few tickets left. Please jump and get them. Touchdownfracas.co.uk. Force/shop. If not, just ask me for the link. Um, if not, just come on the day, but make sure you get there early so you can get yourself through. 
There's going to be food, there's going to be drink. There's going to be us having a live show. It'll be a great time. So yes, make sure you come do that with us. It's been a pleasure. Digital Mix is now back in action every week, 10.30pm on a Sunday, on Apple Podcasts, on SoundCloud. Make sure you like on SoundCloud, repost on SoundCloud, follow me on SoundCloud. Apple Podcast users, please subscribe, download the episodes, it's easy for you, you don't have to have signal to listen to it while you're on a train and all that type of stuff. Also, it'll be nice if you can give me a young review, preferably five stars. And yeah, that's it for this week. Thank you for listening. Until next time, peace. Alles les blues. Sports Social Podcast Network.